Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the Distraction Pieces podcast, episode 140, with the lovely Holly Ross. Um, thanks for tuning in, guys. It's uh, and and thanks f- for listening in general. Recently, um, it's been a crazy month or two of the podcast. I was kind of scrolling back to see uh, 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 which ones have got big reactions, but it's been the whole year so far. Um, the Rob Parker one. Um, particularly as he appeared in the last episode of Taboo in a big way, um, has been getting a lot of love. But Matt Matt Willis, James McAvoy, Garth Jennings, the homelessness special uh, two-parter, Wim Hof, and and Sylvander Least has been getting a load of reaction. Catherine Ryan the other week, and last week's one with Dave Johns got huge reactions and put a lot of people onto I Daniel Blake, which is fantastic. But anyway, I'll 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 get onto this. I'll quickly mention that we're sponsored by speechdevelopmentrecords.com. That's my website. If you listen regularly, for example, if you've listened to all of the ones are listed there, we do this every week for free. And a lot of websites have a donation page or a Patreon or anything else. I kind of prefer to give you something if you want to contribute. So if you enjoy these and you want to buy something, then head over to speechdevelopmentrecords.com. There's distraction pieces, T-shirts and mugs, and there's all sorts of speech development record stuff. So that's all I'll say on it. I'll keep it brief. On to this week's episode. Today, it's International Women's Day, and we wanted to kind of address that and celebrate that. And And Holly Ross hit me up via email. She's in a band called The Lovely Eggs, who I've I've sampled on my, on my Distraction Pieces album, and we go into all this. Um, and she wanted to talk about the fact that she's a touring musician, and when her and her husband decided they wanted to have a child they decided they didn't that didn't mean they had to end their band and yeah we wanted to kind of have that discussion on this day of all days it's it's always a weird one with the podcast because at times i'll have people say uh you need to have more women on and stuff like that and it's a contentious subject because i get annoyed when people simply request more women rather than request specific women because I think uh, there's a load of amazing, exciting and interesting individuals that you should be requesting rather than just requesting a gender. I mean, as I've explained numerous times as well, I, 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 I do this podcast on my own. So a lot of it is a case of timing and matchings. It's just by chance that the people have cancelled on me the most or we haven't been able to, f- to figure out a time happened to have been women that's not been the case in recent weeks obviously as i was mentioning earlier this sh- this year alone we've had um soraya was on in the homelessness special of mustard tree um had ancilla van der Leest, Catherine ryan we've got holly ross this week in two weeks i've got susan wakoma so um yeah th- thankfully that's all balancing out but it's yeah it's a tough one at times because i'd People assume that because this podcast has had over 8 million downloads that there's some big team. It's not. It's just me hitting up people I know or have contact with. And the fact is, um, I'm, 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 I'm male. So my s- social circle has a higher percentage of males than females in it. That's that's quite a, a common a thing in social circles. A lot of women will have more female friends than male friends. A lot of males will have more male friends than female friends. Um but I do actively, you know, try and get as many ladies on as possible because there's just, there's so many interesting stories out there, and I, I I completely understand that a lot of podcasts it's very male centric. So, yeah. Anyway, 
that's all I'm saying. Essentially, it's International Women's Day, and I urge you, if you enjoy this, actually, to go and listen to some of the absolutely inspirational women we've had on the podcast. I'd go back to the Gal Porter episode. That's one of my favourite episodes. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, the Kathy Burke episode, um, the Carla v- a Valentine episode, the amazing Carla v- a Valentine, where we're talking about um, sex and death, not necessarily together but the mutual taboos of sex and, and death in our society. You could go back and listen to the original episode with Dr. Susie Gage, which spawned Say Why to Drugs on the Distraction Pieces Network. So that's worth that's worth having a look at. Um, you can go back and listen to Tall Dark Friends. Um, yeah, a, a fantastic and inspirational uh, lady that was, was on speaking of her transition from, from, from male to female. Um, growing up in a place I like Essex up the road from me a fantastic episode so yeah we've had loads of of great guests that I recommend on this here International Women's Day that you go and binge on those ones if you fancy a bit of a binge I will let the podcast get going and I'll talk to you about the upcoming podcast and next week I've got a double um, MMA a, a, a week I've got two two fighters on and don't be put off if you're not a fan of MMA because these are both guys with amazing stories. At the end of the podcast, I do any of the talking about upcoming fights and stuff like that. The body of the podcast is talking about their lives and their careers and their journeys into this this unique sport. So next week, I've got Dan Hardy on Wednesday and Rory McDonald on Friday. So two absolute legends of MMA. But anyway, let's get on with this one. This is the wonderful... Holly Ross on episode 140 of the Distraction Pieces podcast. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. This piece of fiction is the intro to Distraction Pieces. I apologise in advance if I'm particularly sniffly. Um, I seem to have come down with what everyone's come down with oh, some right, kind okay. of cold or rundownness but oh david's been in bed with pneumonia all week oh really yeah it's just we were meant to start our album last week and then he had these incredible horrible pains and started shivering uncontrollably yeah and he had to go to hospital and everything oh no i know but it's better now but it took a week for him that's to weird I, I had a, a couple of weeks ago i got back from recording a podcast and i got home and was just shivering and got into bed and fell asleep and then i woke up and threw up but I just had like tw- twenty four to forty eight hours of that, and then was fine. But yeah, and yeah. then a couple of weeks later, I'm feeling a bit sniffly. But I don't want to. Yeah. I don't. I like the fact everyone's like, "Oh, I've got the flu. I've got this." It's not that. I've got a bit of a cold. Yeah. I'm yeah, not yeah. going <laughs> to milk it and be. Oh, I'm really. I've got a bit of a sniffle. Um, I'm joined by uh, by Holly Ross of the Lovely Eggs. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank I'm you for good. coming up, up north. Yes, it was. I've. I've had a lovely smooth drive. I'm earlier than expected. At least an hour, aren't I? At least an hour. I know, of yeah, you I've... said about three o'clock and it's yeah. only 20, yeah, 20 to two now. I so flew yeah. by. Yeah. Um, but um, this is the first time uh, we've met, but we are eternally linked because um, on, <laughs> on, on, on my solo record, which is also called Distraction Pieces, I had a song called Death of the Journalist, which was pr- produced by the wonderful Zane Lowe. And it has you um, screaming, I am a journalist at the end of it. That's an actual fact. Yeah. And, yeah, it is. So it's a sample yeah. from one of your songs, yeah. and you are a journalist. Well, I'm not anymore, but I used to be. Yeah. 
Yeah, so... It's great. That's yeah. how we kind of have linked. And we decided to kind of have this conversation. I'd wanted to do a podcast for a while about just t- touring bands because it's, it's, it's a massive thing. And all we often hear about is when you get to that point of being a big pop star. But there's loads of different points and, and levels in bands. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of people who will start out and have a goal in mind of, well, if we're not playing Wembley by however long, then then we'll call it a day. Yeah. But then there's a lot of people who are like, right, if we can get gigs and have a, f- a f- following and have an audience, then how would we ever turn our back on this? Um, yeah, yeah. So I kind of wanted to do one along those lines anyway. And you hit me up, obviously mentioning that um, uh, that we could re- release one on, on National Women's Day um, or International mm-hmm. uh, Women's Day, sorry. Because it's an interesting subject because you were in a band for a long time, you changed your band and you had a child and it didn't stop you being a person in a band and touring and all of that. So, yeah, I think it's an interesting one to discuss and get into. Definitely, no. Um, uh, Where should we start? I mean, let's kind of start pre-child. So your your current band is The Lovely Eggs, but your first band that you kind of got a lot of of heat and, and, f- and following with was yep. Angelica, right? Yeah. Um, so, so how did that all come about? Like, how so, did you start off? When I was 15, I was into grunge. Yeah. A lot of Light and the Father and uh, Dinosaur Junior and Sonic Youth and all that. Uh, were you on the... Is, it, it's weird because that was the era where you had enemies <laughs> within music. So it was uh, like when I was at school, it was a Nirvana or a Pearl Jam. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't like Pearl Jam. See, you couldn't, yeah, no you, you couldn't like them both. Now, I like them both. <laughs> yeah, I thoroughly yeah, enjoy yeah, both yeah. the music. But at that point, it's like, I have a Nirvana or a Pearl Jam. So, yeah. so you were on the Nirvana side. <laughs> and then I got heavily into like American hardcore. So I was into like Black Flag and yeah. Dead Kennedys and stuff like that. And I found some, I went to an all girls school. And I found these other girls that liked, were into the same stuff as me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, we formed this band called Angelica. Yeah. And uh, it was very weird in a way. We were just a bunch of four idiot girls, really, just yeah. screaming. And I remember we, we did our first gig and we just did uh, Hockey Bear covers, you know. Amazing. And people were just like, what, what the fuck is this? Bands are screaming matches. It's one of the most amazing things of, 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 of punk and hardcore for pure inspiration. as, as not, cause, Because not that there's no skill and... and, and but, People like Minor Threat, obviously, who went on to Fugazi, who are incredibly technical, but yeah, they're yeah. they're um they're the kind of bands that you can watch and go, I could I could do that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it, it feels attainable, and then yeah. it becomes attainable. That's it, and especially back then, there were so many girls in bands. Yeah. You know, there was Hole, there was Bratmobile, there was L Seven. Yeah. yeah. God, there was Huggy Bear. So many. Um, yeah. Bikini Kill, just. So much inspiration for young girls, and I was just wanted to be them girls. Yeah, and all my other girls in my band wanted to be them girls. Yeah. We were just like fucking. Let's take let's over the them. world. Let's play the Yorkshire House in Lancaster, which is like a little hundred capacity. Yeah, venue down the road, and we did that and everything. Then they had to cut a long story short. We weren't chasing anything. We had bloody no ambitions to be anything. Yeah. But they had this big festival on in Morecambe called. Um, I don't know what it was called, but the guy who it was in a band who 
organised it, did this compilation t- CD called Smile, and all of the bands that played on this weekend yep. festival were on this CD, and they were yep. all local to like Lancaster and Morecambe area, and we were one of them. Yeah. And the guy who was in this band who'd done this CD sent it down to Radio 1 to yeah. Steve Lamack and Joe oh, wow. Wiley evening session, yeah. and they got hold of it, and they liked us, and they played us on the radio, and then they had them people phoning me up. And then after that, it was just absolutely crazy, really. Amazing. And that was particularly at a time, and it, it still is now, particularly at a time when Radio 1 and people like that had huge amount of power to break people, to launch people, to push people. So it meant the world to get to get airplay at, 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 at that point. It was pre-having avenues like YouTube and stuff like that, oh, where yeah. you could just do it, do it yourself and get out there. At that point... You could pretty much build a name locally, yeah. But without radio support, you couldn't. Yeah, it was hard to build a name and, internationally. And you're not even. A, they were, we had to work from A to Z. So, you know, when you go into get a gig in London, yeah. you just had to have your black and white A to Z. Yeah. it wasn't yeah. any sat navs or anything. Yeah, yeah, odd. But anyway, no, we didn't chase it yeah, at all. It was so dangerous. I, I remember. I remember <laughs> the amount of driving trips I had with, with maps on the steering wheel. <laughs> And you think now of glancing slightly down at Satnav or something know, and feeling that dangerous. But then it was literally a map on the steering wheel kind of yeah. driving oh, and reading. One way streets were marked on the thing, so yeah. you'd be like, oh, shit, this is a one way street for How do we want yeah. Intense. Yeah, so, so but good that, times. that that dragged you down to London to gig and, and all around the country. Yeah, well they they brought me up and I get a mixture of actual real life phone calls from people like EMI Virgin Island and wow. and prank phone calls from, you know, people at school and oh, or, right. or bands on the scene just <laughs> going, Hi, oh, I'm from so and so and you yeah. go like, What's that real? What's that prank? Yeah. And then a few bloody people came up to see us, like from record companies like I think it was EMI or big ones, you know. Yeah. Watching us and I had to say, they were like, who's your manager? Who's your manager? Yeah. And I, we didn't have a frigging manager. No. We didn't ask for any of this. We were just being just doing Huggy Bear covers yeah. in the back room of pubs. And uh, yeah, I said to David, my boyfriend, who is now I'm married to, and he's the father of Arlo, you know, and yeah. uh, we do the lovely eggs together. I said, you'll have to be it. Say you're, say, say you're yeah. it. Say you're, so he was our manager for like two minutes. Amazing. And I had to take all these calls and... Saying I don't, and then arguing at night. I don't know what I'm fucking doing. Again, I'm not a freaking manager. The amount of bands who either their boyfriend or girlfriend is default manager because it's it's a weird mental thing. A label wants to talk to a representative, rather, or they won't take mm. you seriously if they're talking directly to you, or you have that fear that they're going to try and exploit you. Whereas if there's that respect of oh we're speaking to their manager which is absolute bullshit and i yeah. call that out these days because yeah. i we don't have a manager at all yeah. and i think fair enough if you want a manager have a manager yeah, exactly. but the whole thing of the, yeah, I don't having have a manager. the manager yeah. is just like but anyway they said they kept saying who's your manager who's your manager and i was like what 17 at the time yeah i'm gonna say something yeah. aren't yeah. i so yeah, i just made it up you know it's my boyfriend yeah and uh, yeah, then it just went from there. We we got we did a single with Deceptive Records. They released our first single. Yeah. Who did like Elastica and yeah, a lot of them bands. And yeah, we played London a lot and toured a lot. And well, was that? Did that? F- I feel like a big deal at the time because even even in Essex, any any local bands gigging in London was a massive deal. And, and we're dead near. Whereas when you, you're coming from all the way up here, it's kind of, it's, it feels like a massive deal to go, oh, we're going down and playing in London. Often you get there and realise it's not that big a deal. And there's yeah, a load of bands on and 
everyone who's there is only there for their mate yeah. or whatever else and it's this kind of it's this false economy because yeah. you'll bring your mates down and I stuff know. like that and it's like you could have just played to them at the pub up the road yeah. as you were saying you've brought them all again, the way down to London bullshit. the whole yeah. London thing is just awful bull- fucking rotten bullshit but yeah. then that's another thing that I rant on about often I mean I do love London I love the people yeah. who come to our gigs in London but the idea of London as a concept fucks me right off yeah I think it's the same all 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 gig types as as situations you've got to go out there to enjoy the gig f- of for what it is i remember going t- to south by southwest for the first time and everyone being oh it's where bands get found out <laughs> yeah, we just- and then you go all oh, right it's where hundreds of bands go to be yeah. found out so everyone there it's 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 just another gig yeah. Do you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's like the, they there's a lot of industry there but the increased amount of industry is cancelled out by the increased amount of bands. Yeah. There's gigs on from midday till yeah. the middle of the night. So it's well, any it's gig. Funny. We, we there could it- be a, an industry person in your local pub, you know, and, and things like yeah. that as much as Absolutely. in that situation. Well, we, I mean, we got offered it. We'd done it before, but we got offered it this year and we applied for funding to get it and to, you know, to go because yeah. it's so expensive with all the visas But, and I stuff. mean, I love it though. And again, the, so we applied, that's not but we didn't get the funding, all, but yeah. then we were like, are we spending all this money to freaking to go, go and to go and gig? And we're like, no, we're not. We'll have to just go next year if we can yeah. get funding. But you know, completely. It's like- Again, there's that thing. It's it's a weird it's a weird a mentality on certain things. And Glastonbury is one. I love Glastonbury, but bands will spend a fortune to play Glastonbury. I've never and, 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 Do you actually? And, can you actually pay to play Glastonbury? You can't pay to play, but you, there's an awful lot of gigs that don't pay you to play right. and then obviously you are if you're doing a big gig having to pay for sound yeah. and, and crew and all that Got kind of thing yeah, and, yeah. and everything you'd you'd want to do to get it right and it's it's weird because again the, the 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 first thing you start to learn as any professional band is and they've they've almost died off now but pay to play venues oh, yeah. are, the, are the devil you kind mm. of it's hugely disrespectful that you're paying to fill their venue or to do a gig for them it should be the other way around yet as said at South by Southwest at Glastonbury a lot of these places you'll go oh we'll take a loss so it's weird it's the concept of them and it's the it's all this cloak and is it smoke and mirrors that's what it is smoke and mirrors and all this we played this the bravado the bragging but the actual real life is it a good gig the funness you know a lot of it you can have anyway yeah and it's mental how most of those big a watershed moments that you'd see before your career when they happen there's not a lot of change afterwards yeah, it's like yeah. that first a, a radio one play it's a huge yeah. deal hugely yeah. excited then you continue to do gigs to 20 people and yeah <laughs> you yeah. don't get played, played on radio one and, and suddenly it's so funny because everyone instant, in Lancaster here. thought we were you know we, they were like oh you must be because we played like Reading and Leeds yeah. festival we were played on the radio we did John Peel sessions we did what's the evening session sessions yeah, yeah. live evening session sessions we were doing loads and everyone thought we were freaking minted yeah. and we were coming back home and they were like oh you know why how much money have you made from all yeah. this and that like was the worst thing we weren't yeah we were all working part-time shitty jobs just to try and keep the band going yeah. and i remember you know uh, Mark Riley and uh, Mark Radcliffe were yeah. in that band, The Shy Horses. Yes, yes. They were once playing a gig at the Sugar House, which is a big student club, and it's right next door to the Yorkshire House, which is kind of like the punk alternative, right. rocky indie venue. Yeah. 
And I worked behind the bar there and they come in and I was pulling a pint for them. And I said, oh, thanks, by the way, for playing our single uh, yesterday. <laughs> and they were like, what, who are you? And I was like, oh, I'm in Angelica. And they're like, oh, nice one. That's amazing. You know, and it's just the weirdness of lives crossing that I think people think you're going to live a certain way, but actually normal life has to keep going to a certain it's, extent. It is, and it, it, it is a weird smoke of mirrors because bands often... Pl- play up to it and completely understandably as well you want to give the impression of we're a professional band yeah but again i always remember when i did a label tour and i was just hosting it but i had b dolan and i had warren peace supporting and we did this whole tour and people were saying oh we need more dates here more dates there and the thing i had to reply to people online was this is as much time as warren can get off work yeah like this is all of his his, his holiday leave the mm-hmm. tour is this long because he's got a full-time job and, and Buddy Peace as well. It's like, they've both got full-time jobs, so we can't add extra dates. Please travel to the gigs if they're near enough rather than say, can you add a date in our town? It's like, they can't get extra time off work. It's like, it, welcome to the we real hope world. You come <laughs> and you buy merch and they can do this full-time and imagine how many albums they could release if they could be doing this full-time. But the reality is they've got bills to pay. And it... it in that case, actually, a Warren has got he's got kids and a family to provide for. So it wasn't a case of you can just go drop everything f- f- for this tour. Yeah. Whereas people assume you're doing this tour. And there's and so much pressure because so much. I remember we were on a la- we we changed to a, a label, Fantastic Plastic, after the first single, and uh, you know they'd be they'd ring up and they go, oh, you know, say whatever. Steve Lamack wants you live in session next week. Yeah, come down on the Wednesday, right? None of us could drive. We're 17. (laughs) Um, You know, Rachel will be crying or whatever, or Claire will be crying because she's had a shift at the nag's head and the nag's head has said that next time she asks for time off, it's no, or you're sacked. So two of the band, or maybe three of us, are crying because we want to do it, but we can't. And then the rest of the band is pressurising the other half of the band. Yeah, because they're taking it seriously and you're holding us back. You're like in a shitty pub job, getting away. This is like fucking Radio 1. And like, it's such horribleness. Yeah. It's the real world though, isn't it? I know, I know. It's weird. It's it's kind of nice with the BBC though, how much, how regionalised it, a lot lot of the studios and stuff are now though. So... so just to give them some 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 love as well as moan yeah. at the at, at the Londonization of it all, it's kind of nice now that there's a lot of stuff. I had a thing that uh, it didn't end up happening, but it was a thing on. I think I was going to be doing it on Boxing Day or the day after Boxing Day, and it was for like I like BBC Two or something, and they said, "Oh no, we'll, like we'll get you just to your local BBC station, oh, and, cool. and we'll yeah. wire it all all through kind of thing." And I think they've got a, a lot more of that now, where they are, yeah. oh, we can have you at the local one, and we'll have that as a live link and things like that so yeah i just don't think it's not london that gets my go it's just the fact that they say someone's got to be there and you think well you know i'm not there and why do i have to be there yeah i wouldn't be making the music i'm making if i was why do i have to be there it's not fair and but you are penalizing me for not being yeah you shit yeah it's an interesting (laughs) one so so oh oh what happened then and angelica kind of you toured a lot and was that kind of the wild days, yeah. the wild decadence of, of was, touring. Yeah, it was good fun. I'm just looking through a photograph album before and just good fun times. Yeah. Lots of practical jokes. Yeah. Lots of rapping vanilla ices, ice ice baby all the way through from start to finish the full of course. rap, knowing every word. Yeah. Yeah, we were just bloody 
teenage just idiots. Just parking to cars be honest. and and vans and whatnot. Like, what was the the touring's as as set up at that point? Were you at a van level, or were you at let's get well, all our equipment in the back of someone's we, largest car? Well, we just did it what they told us. So, well, that was the record label at the time. They got us a split, a some split of vans. Yeah, yeah, and we were, we didn't really stay in hotels very much. We were always on people's floors, like the promoter's floor or our yeah. manager's floor at the time, or whoever you know, like whoever's floors. It was yeah. just floors Any or split floor of vans. Find. Yeah. yeah, and the old classic of going to London, though, which I think we did in the early days, was a tranny van with a sofa in the back. Brilliant. Yeah, it's I mean, perfect. highly illegal, and I wouldn't recommend it, but you know. It was great. Get some cans open. Get your yep. get the sofa. I it's had like numerous full- mates who had the the huge excitement of the day that they'd saved up and bought a van and put a sofa in the back and some seats and yeah, yeah. and we'd go to gigs or go go wherever in that. No consideration of of the legality of no, it no, or no, if it's no. safe or yeah, yeah. in any way acceptable. It's like yeah, he's got a sofa in the back. It's going to be cool. Like, Is it? Is it going to be really <laughs> unpleasant and bumpy and uncomfortable? Uh, <laughs> no, it'll be fine. But yeah, so you. Gigged a lot, and, and when did that kind of come come to an end? Well, we what did, was kind of the yeah the natural path? Of well, that? our second album we recorded with Kat Bjellen from Babes in Thailand. Wow. She produced it, yeah. So that was great working with her and meeting her. But I think f- there were like fissures in the band starting and cracks starting to emerge because of the tension of us all having different stuff on. Like, yeah, I think I'd gone to uni by then, and another person had gone to uni. As, because we were trying to get on with our lives because we had our bloody mums and dads down on it. Like, what are you going to, what are you yeah, dotting down there, you know, at the bloody studio? Yeah. Because there's a studio and rehearsal rooms called Lancaster Music Co-op and it's like a non-profit making studio. Right. So it's really cheap but every, and it's really scummy, but everyone can go and just yeah. afford to practice there. Yeah, we were yeah, always yeah. hanging about down there. Yeah. So they're like, what are you doing? You're never going to amount to anything. Yeah. And all this. So <laughs> some of us were working, some of us were doing that. And I think it just... It was just too much pressure on us, really. We were just arguing a lot. Yeah. To cut a long story short. It's it's tough. It can be... I mean, bands in general are really tough because you're thrown together for extended amount of times and in extreme situations because it's extreme highs and then long car journeys and, 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 and so on and so forth. That ecstasy of the moment on stage is only like... 30 to 60 minutes long at, yeah, that, yeah, at yeah. that stage. And then it's... And equally, you've also got to go through the shit gigs together. Yeah, yeah. The ones where no one's there or you feel that someone isn't pulling their weight or up to speed. Yeah. So it's easy to find those yeah, And I those think clashes. that the final, like, nail in the coffin was Kat Bjelland had reformed Babes in Toyland and her manager, um, her drummer, Laurie or something, couldn't do it. So basically, they asked two of our band to play as Babes in Toyland with wow. with Kat. Yeah. Which was weird because it's not Babes in Toyland without Laurie. Yeah, yeah. But because I thought she was a big part of the, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, the band. But anyway, they said they'd would and they said a part of the deal is that, you know, Angelica will get to support yeah. Babes in Toyland and all, on all the dates. And like me and Claire weren't right happy about them doing it because we thought, oh, you're in our band and we'd only ever been in that band and it felt weird them going and being in a different band. It's weirdly protective and stuff in those situations, Yeah, and we felt like a unit, even though we were bloody arguing and being dickheads to each other. We were still, you know, our dickheads together. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, yeah, so they... But they said, oh, and we thought, oh, well, maybe it'll be all right if we're getting to support every night. You know, we'll still be together as a 
yeah. unit. But then the manager said, oh, by the way, I just heard some news and you won't be able to support. Oh, wow. That's and then harsh. they said, and then so we said to like the other two, like, well, you won't be playing, will you? With um, And they were like, oh, yeah, well, we, we are doing. Yeah. And then that was betrayal for me. Yeah. And uh, so I couldn't How How would continue. you feel about it now? Like, would you feel different as, an, as, as more experienced in these things, in that situation? I think looking back in that situation, I probably would have done the same because we were quite miserable. Yeah. And we were arguing a lot. Yeah. And being dickheads. Yeah. And we were young. It had found and its I think natural when you're really, really end. young, like 17, you don't give a shit about anyone else, really. Yeah. Which I think you grow to do that when you're a bit older. Yeah. So with youth thing, I think I can understand it, but I still, I don't know. I've I've got a big thing about solidarity and, 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 you know, I think, I think that people should stick together and be good to each other. And it's kind of one of the main principles of the lovely eggs is to not be a shit or not be a twat. Right. That's good. You know, because it's fundamental to, to, to live in a good life and a, and a, and a content life, I think. It's, it's a really tough one with, again, Bands who are, are are in that situation of of grafting and gigging and uh, and trying to make it work is it always seems to be drummers and bassists that are in demand at, elsewhere or yeah. might be in a couple of bands to make it yeah. work. And again, I can completely understand that on one side because if you can be playing in that band and then in, instead of on Thursday nights working at the pub, you're playing in another band and that's what's allowing you to keep doing it. That's Absolutely. a better. That's 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 yeah, yeah. honing your skill. Um, I can also see that it's generally the front man or front people that feel like they're, or the, the bassist or drummer m- m- may feel that it's more their band, therefore it's fine for me to go off and be yeah, yeah. be me, be the background to someone else, if yeah. you know what I mean. So you get a lot of bands in that situation. But then, yeah, I completely, it is weird, particularly at that stage, that it can feel like this massive, I don't how think, dare I mean, you, I'm not it's got, a betrayal. I haven't got anyone, <laughs> I have not got any problem with being in other bands yeah i think my problem was we got stitched up as a band yeah because you were asked to to, to, to support, support and be part of that and then, and then we were told by. no you're off so as solidarity to our band yeah, they should have gone situation. fuck you well we're not being in your band yeah. then if we can't support Completely. that was if that was the agreement yeah if if we, uh, we can be in your band because we're there anyway because yeah. we're supporting you yes we're not there now so we can't be in your band yeah. as such. Sorry. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah I understand <laughs> so, that. So, you know, that. anyway, I, you know, I haven't got a, a beef about being yeah. in multiple bands. I think yeah. it's good to. Yeah, yeah, completely. Because that was my thing. I said, I've, I've spoken to people in the past who have been in bands and they're like, yeah, we're thinking of getting rid of our bassist because he's in this other band and he's doing this. And my thought's always been, well, you've got like a day job. Yeah. And people aren't going, oh, we're thinking of getting rid of her because she's got a day job yeah, or yeah, we're thinking yeah. of getting rid of him because he's totally. got kids and, and it's taken away. For, it's like, no, it, it should be, yeah. Agreed. Hopefully if there's time and yeah, yeah. and a way to make it all work. Um, so so what was next? Was there any... Uh, uh, was it instant when Angelica ended that you were like, right, no, this is this oh, is no, what I do. I, I'm doing this and continue. Like, I need to start a new band. Or was it... No. Was there any, oh, that's that was that was fun... I'd had a very bitter taste of the music industry. Yeah. How uh, we were treated as a band, like, you can't even, oh, I don't know whether it was because we were women or what, but, you know, right. some of the comments like, oh, you know, lose weight and stuff. And right. it's like, what? Like yeah. by its managers, which we very 
quickly sacked. Yeah, of but course. But that sort of thing, and you'll probably have come across it yourself, but I think, I don't know whether it's naivety or just I want, wanted this utopian vision of how people are. Yeah. But when we went down to London and stuff, people were our, our friends, you know, and when I say London, not just London, you know, just anywhere on tour, you know, yeah. then all of a sudden, sometimes when you're not flavour of the month, they don't answer your calls, they don't respond to your emails. Yeah. Yeah. It's so rude. And yeah. I don't like, how can you be a decent person when you, you're like that? Is there a thing that says if you join the music industry, you've just got to sign up to being a twat? Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's a weird one. And I, I excuse part of it because I also know it's such an all-consuming a, a situation that, for example, f- 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 for you at that time, everything that was going on was Angelica and this tour and this and yeah, that. Yeah. So everyone's got their own version of that. So it it drifts apart. But it's it's something I do. I'm I'm I make a point each year of sending out a few emails to people that I've met along the way or that I've worked with when I don't need anything from them. Right. Because it is a weird thing. It's completely yeah, natural yeah. that you've got a new album and go, oh, I'll give I'll give yeah. this guy a shout. I go, oh, we've got a new album if yeah, you'd like to yeah, hear it. And yeah. maybe it's like, yeah, that's really self-serving and, and, and selfish. It's natural. It mm-hmm. happens. But I try and make a point now as well of even, I mean, half the time I don't hear back. Again, it's, yeah. it's people that I've gigged with over the years who've gone on to be absolutely huge or gone on to stop doing things or, or whatever. But try and make that point because yeah. I noticed it of myself. I noticed that, I was hitting people up when I had a reason to, or when I wanted yeah. them on the podcast, or yeah, when I wanted yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this or that. And it wasn't intentionally selfish or intentionally mean, but I could see myself doing that. Therefore, I could almost understand it of others. But yeah, yeah it definitely is that well, kind of insight. Like- so self consumed that you can get that vibe of, oh, like we were talking every day a while back, and yeah. now you've just kind of went, all right. And nodded your head and walked on because we're not that. we're not a flavour of the month anymore. Yeah, I just can't. I just because to me being in a band is so. Ru- I don't know whether it's because I've grown up with punk rock and yeah. in punk rock there's the ethos of everything's genuine and yeah. you've got integrity. And yeah. I base my entire life and my band on being, you know, genuine and having integrity and being right with people and. Yeah. A lot of the way the industry deals with you and spits you out, and it yeah. makes some people so depressed, and it turns them to alcohol, and they, yeah. you know, have terrible addictions because they're lifted up here and then just d- dumped from an almighty height, Absolutely and they can't cope yeah. with it. Yeah, I just don't like that that model, whatever yeah, it is. Is I it agree. a business model? I don't know. Is it just how you treat people? I just frigging hate it. I so, remember um, with with both, and this is probably talking outside of school, but. Um, I'll do it anyway. I, I, I remember because I gigged a lot early on. It's not on. like anyone's listening, right? No, exactly. I gigged a lot early on with 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 Adele and Kate Nash and, and Paloma Faith and, and Jack Pignate and a load of amazing people. Um, and I remember when it was particularly, remember seeing Kate Nash and seeing a Paloma Faith both start to blow up. And I remember b- both of them doing big gigs with them at some point and seeing them after the gig, which I've just watched and has been amazing. And I've been like, that's my mate. They're smashing it. The crowd's going crazy. Seeing them getting a, a dressing down off their label because they did a song in the wrong key or did a different version of a song that's the single and things like that. And in my mind, particularly with a Kate Nash, I felt particularly defensive. And again, we're not, I've not spoken to Kate in ages. I'm not making out that we were best friends, but I was aware that at that point, she, she was a fucking 18-year-old girl 
who'd written all her own songs and it had suddenly blown up. And mm. that was amazing. So to add pressure on that by going, you didn't do this version or you meant to have, and to tell someone off when they're doing amazing things yeah. that they should be excited and proud of made me really glad that number one, I went with, or me and Dan Lasak went with Sunday Best because yeah. the best, the worst that we had was our label manager, Sarah, who I love dearly, would be too dr- drunk to pass much comment on. So we'd come back <laughs> after the gig and be like, that was just amazing. And it's like, that's good because they're, they're enjoying it. They're, yeah, yeah, they're yeah, having yeah. fun. But it, yeah, it blew me away. I saw uh, uh, both of those girls get at some point a dressing down. And I wonder if the changes in the music industry is weeding out those people because a lot I of the money so. has dropped out of it. Yeah. There's not as much that the people that are left should be your people like again i mentioned adele there she she signed with xl with richard russell Mm -hmm. and 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 and, and cass and all these amazing people i never saw them give any kind of thing like that because they they're music fans yeah they happen to have turned into one of the biggest labels in the world but they're music fans they're making it because they they love music not because oh we can make some money here yeah and that's kind of the difference i think I just remember when we played in London a few years ago, I remember seeing a, a, a oh, we were in the office actually because I'd just had Arlo, the ba- our yeah. baby, and uh, my mum was sat with him in the office while we, because I think the uh, dressing room was full of cock and balls and stuff, yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh no, he can't go in here. Yeah. Is there anywhere else he can go? So they're like, oh, you can sit in our office. And <laughs> I saw the computer screen in the office and it had this sign saying, remember, um, standard industry response and i said to the promoter who i yeah. thought i knew pretty well what you know what what does that mean standard industry response on there and she said like oh it just means don't respond every time a band will get in t- touch with the you know venue to play or whatever yeah. you know check them out whatever if they're not thing don't just delete it's weird isn't it and it just made me because we, I, well, back when I had more time, I used to write back to everyone who wrote to us. Yeah. But certainly now, if anyone contacts us on email, yeah. I always, always make a point of writing back. Yeah, completely. Because it's just manners, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I wish, you know, I'd like to work there and say, I'm really sorry, but your music isn't right. Or, you know, you've, yeah, you know, whatever. Some kind of just something, something. But this standard industry response is nothing. Yeah. It's just hit delete. Yeah. And she said... I've been guilty of getting back to people and then it just goes in a big spiral, you know, because I'll get back to them and then they'll get back to me and then I'll get back to them and then yeah. they'll get back to me. And so the best way to do it is just not to ever respond. Again, I think, I, th- I think there's ways of handling that though, right? And I'm, 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 I'm similar. I, I try and reply to, to, to everything I get as honestly and openly as I can. Oh, my big thing is I have people send me or ask for advice or feedback a lot. And I'm just really bad at that. Like yeah. everyone who's, B. Dolan and Sage and all of these who I've worked with over the years know not to send me stuff now because they'll send me their new tracks all excited. I'm no, I've never had feedback like myself. I've always just written, so I'm always just like, yeah, it's cool. So my, I've, I've almost got a standard response of kind of saying, yes, yeah, go for it. I wish you the best. I'm not going to give feedback because I don't, I don't know how, but all yeah. the best. But it still means something to get their response. And yeah. yes, you can have like I've had points in the past where I've had to say, right, well, I'm going to go now. Because we're no longer, do you know what I mean? You you are in that loop of yeah, response, yeah, response, response, response. Yeah, like, and I'm just like, well, 
<laughs> I don't talk to my friends this much. Um, so I, yeah, I kind no, of, I, get that. I, yeah, I yeah. need some point yeah. to draw a line under it. But again, you can do that in a polite way. It doesn't have to be a no response type. Yeah, no, yeah. Type situation. So, I mean, you mentioned Arlo and let's, uh, let's get on to that because one of the big, the myths of, of, of particularly the music industry is that um, if you want to have a family as a, as a, a woman, you've got a limited l- shelf life or touring life or, 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 or yep. career because you have to stop to go and have a child. And Unless you, you are mega, mega, mega big and you can like take it around on a tour bus. Yeah, yeah. And Im- employ a professional yeah, nanny. Yeah. All that, so uh, let's talk about that. The choice to have a child... And to, or, or both, the choice to, to, to have a child and to have a band. Um, yeah. And to be at that level where you're touring in vans and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's 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 not tour bus, n- n- nannies, all this kind of thing. Yeah. It's going, right, no, this is, I want this child to be part of my life, but m- a music is an intrinsic part of my life. It's an yeah. essential part of my life. I'm not willing to walk away from that and shouldn't have to choose. No, like when we were in the lovely eggs, we've been going, I can't remember how long we've been going, we were going a while, yeah. we were bloody touring everywhere, we were touring America, touring Europe, touring And you're in the, the band with your husband. Yeah, with, so my husband that's, David. Yeah, so it's good him. there that the <laughs> it's very much a mutual choice on both sides, or yeah. both of you are involved in both sides yeah, of it. It's it, not yeah. a case of, I want to have a child, also, I'm going to be on tour a lot. It's, yeah. we want to have a child and we're going to be on tour a yeah. lot. So that's kind of a, that's it's a it. perfect situation to come to that. Without massive arguments and massive yeah. conflict, I guess. Well, so we were touring a lot and really, really bloody loving it. Just yeah. being, it was great being based in Lancaster, but Lancaster is a bit like Twin Peaks. You sort of, it's like a small town and it does get really weird yeah. and it's good, but it is nice to get away. Yeah. And go touring. So, and did- it's, it's, it's I, I'm a big, big believer in that's when you know the gigs and the reactions are real. Yeah. I always, I've always, I toured all around the country before I ever played anywhere local because I'd, I'd had so, so, so many mates in bands that thought they were massive and amazing because we all supported every week yeah. and they had, they had that local band syndrome and they were massive there. As soon as they went out of that, they couldn't handle it because they're used to yeah. everyone just adoring them and now they're playing yeah. up the road that. and no one's heard of them. Yeah. So again, I, th- I understand that, that, yeah. that, that, that enjoyment of getting on the road. We did our going, first right, ever see. gig in New York. We were just like, where do you want to yeah. play? New- we want to travel. Amazing. We yeah. said, we want to make music and we want to travel. Yeah. So where are we going to do our first gig? New York. So I got these gigs in New York and it was, and it was really good fun. And then I started to want a baby and I talked to David about it and he was unsure. Cause I think a lot of blokes are really, yeah. they're just not sure. Yeah. But I think women are more, I don't know whether it's something hormonal, but right. they, they think I want one. Yeah, sure. So I started to think, oh, well, anyway, he started to come around to the idea. <laughs> then we were like, how would it work? How would it work? Blah, blah, blah. But anyway, got pregnant the day before we were playing Farm Fest. Right. And it was hilarious because we, we're quite, you know, we like a drink, me and David. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Farm Fest is in Somerset, the home of cider. And I'm of a course. big, you know, cider drinker. So I was like, bloody hell, I want to get shit faced this weekend and play yeah. a great gig. But I need to know if I'm pregnant or not because, <laughs> you know, that's a big thing. Yeah. So I took a pregnancy test from the pound shop, thought like, oh, it won't be. 
was bloody pregnant, took another two, because it was from the pound shop. I thought they might yeah. be a bit dodgy. Yeah. Better go and buy two more. Exactly. And they were all Smash right. Out. They were right. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, fuck. So I spent the entire farm fest sober. Yep. Me and David walking around just totally freaked out. That coming to terms. Yeah, with... like we're having a baby. We said we wanted one, but do we really now? Fuck, now we, what Now it's fuck? happening. Yeah. And we were halfway through recording our album, Wildlife. So we had to rush that through so that we could tour. And we did. We toured when I was about seven months pregnant. Amazing. And uh, how was that? Great. Good. Yeah. Is it a good distraction? I don't know. It was, yeah, it was good fun. I, I think it taught me that I can do gigs without booze, but I don't like to. Right. Like, I don't like to play without, interesting. without booze. I just can't do it. I, I, I did I, I did one tour where I was just coming off tonsillitis. I had the first like five or six gigs. I had to be sober because I just couldn't couldn't get through it. And I've hardly drunk at a gig since Mm. because I realised that I'd been drinking my whole career to get my confidence up, to really enjoy it. But now I've been touring for eight, nine years. I know what I'm doing. Right. And I realised I was actually, particularly because it's going to sound stupid, but I've got a lot of words to get through and a lot of words to remember. And the fact is that sober, I realised I was doing so much, like it was easier. Yeah. And yeah, after that, I was like, all right. So I don't need the kind of the Dutch courage anymore, but I completely understand yeah, it as well. When yeah, I, I I can do it. I did nine months of it, yeah. not drinking, and I've done loads of gigs not drinking. But I, it's not what I like. Yeah, I like good. to just think, okay, you I'm having a, like, and and having a what, good party. Yeah. So yeah, I did that, and then we told our sound engineer who'd done a lot of touring with us, and he was like white, going like, "What the fuck? It's yeah. over now, then, is it?" Yeah, is that that? And they were like, "We were like, no, it's not over. We've seen two seats on eBay, two spare seats for a Fiat Scudo." <laughs> <laughs> so we bid on them and we won them, and we had this gig, and me and we went and stopped and picked them up in our van, yeah, and got them welded in, right. So now our little three seater Scudo is now a, a six seater Scudo. Amazing. And yeah, had the baby, and then we were touring. We were playing festivals. We had Arlo in April 2013, and we were playing festivals in July, so it would have been about four months old. And it was really fucking scary. Yeah, It's like going into the unknown, because half of me thought, I'm used to being in a band, I'm used to touring, I know this environment so well, so I can bring a baby into it because I'm familiar with it. Half of me thought, when are the social services going to ring? Everyone, no yeah. one's done this before. This is how much crazy. trouble am I going to? How much get trouble? Are, how this? irresponsible am I? What the fuck am I doing? And it's funny because I did feel completely on my, my own. I remember emailing a friend of mine called Nan, who's in a band called Swerve on in America, and right. she's very good friends with Kimmy Dawson, who yeah. you know, Kimmy Dawson with Panda, yeah. yeah. With, yeah. And I wrote to Kim. She said, "Drop Kim, you're a line." Yeah. And so I, d- I emailed Kim, and Kim, you never got back. And I remember just thinking, "What the fuck am I going to do?" Yeah. All my money was on Kim, telling <laughs> she me, was gonna let me, telling know how me, this you works. know what, you know yeah. how it all works. It's all okay. It's and fine. I didn't know jack shit, so it was a big learning curve. Yeah. But it can be totally done, and we do it now. And we started off when Arlo was little, really little, like yeah. four months. I didn't really want anyone looking after him that wasn't like my mum really. Yeah. Or David's mum. Yeah. Because babies are so bloody tiny and you just have them and you don't know what you're doing with them. Yeah. And like a lot of your friends haven't got kids, so they don't know what you're doing with them. So my mum had Arlo for like a couple of, 
like nights or we'd play three, maybe four nights yeah. back to back, but yeah. it wasn't really a proper tour. Yeah. We, we were like, well, how the fuck are we going to do this? So then we got a good friend of mine called Sally Jenkinson. She's yeah. a poet. I don't know whether you know from I know the name, yeah. the spoken word scene. Yeah. And we got a load of her and another girl called Lori Evans, and she is like into performance theatre and uh, she does a great thing called Eggs Collective. Right. Basically, artistic creative types whose job goes, you know, the busy one minute, next minute, they're yeah, not busy. Course, and it, we yeah, help I them did. out and they yeah. helped us. So we say, oh, you know, you, you know, you're one of my best mates. Do you want to come on tour with us for two weeks? Yeah. And then she'd go and we'll be like, oh, we'll pay you. And we got, initially we got some funding from the PRS, from Great. the Women in Music Fund. Great, yeah. Because uh, we, before this, we'd never stayed in hotels. Right. We just couldn't afford it. Yeah. Um, so this Women in Music Fund was helped us pay for travel lodges on this tour, the first tour. I've, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to reach over and, and, and grab it, but in my wallet I've got a travel lodge business card. Oh, right, of, okay. Because of so many tours where I'm like, yeah. well, there's... We need three or four hotel rooms. It's travel yeah. lodges. Let's let's yeah. just keep loyal. Let's get good discounts. Yeah. But yes, it's the way to clean. Tour. It's simple. You know where yeah. what you're getting. There's a fold out bed in most of the rooms, yeah. so you oh, know we the, make use of the, all the band can all be in one room, and yeah. then the sound all in that. And yeah, it works nicely. Yes, yeah, so, <laughs> so we did. To tour. So we did that, uh, and yeah, and paid paid Sally and Lowry to come with us, and then since then. It was so good, our last album, the tours were so, like, well attended. And yeah. we could now do it on our our own, you know, like we can now afford to pay a babysitter to come with us and yeah. we can afford all the hotels and stuff, so. That's fantastic. It's brilliant you, and we just, we do it. Did you make a point of, of, of discussing that's the, 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 that situation publicly and with your fan base? No. Um, so it was kind of just a... This we is wanted a, it business as usual. Yeah, yeah. Because we were like, because some of them heard about it, and obviously they seen me live. I was seven months pregnant. I was yeah. massive, you know. They're like, oh, it's all going to change. Oh, oh, you're not pregnant anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it's all going to change, and you're going to start doing baby songs and all that. Yeah. And I was like, you are freaking joking, you know. Like that's, awesome, that's yeah. going to be like eighty percent of our day will be fucking baby songs. Yeah. When we come out, we're doing a bloody punk rock gig yeah, you know we're yeah, having yeah, a drink yeah. we're having doing a punk rock gig and we're letting our hair down as we did because yeah. that's our you know yeah. time yeah that's great so it's very different but, touring now it's, it, it's <laughs> good that you kind of kept that that side of it the same the reason i asked is um i've had i've had holly mcneish on who um I'm, I'm friends with she's an amazing poet but the poems that got her that went viral for her were about um, um motherhood and about her having a child and she said she found it really weird because she suddenly had a large percentage of her crowd were all mums. Yeah. Um, and she doesn't only do poems about mums. And the, the first time I gigged with her, I was a fan, but I was, I genuinely thought I'm going to almost feel guilty for having a penis in the room. Yeah. I generally thought, and it's not Holly's fault. It's just, I just had that. It wasn't the case at all. It was the warmest and loveliest gigs and we've done a few together and she's amazing. But yeah, it was interesting that there was that draw to support someone who's been through something you've been through and is just doing what they were doing. Because she was a poet before she had a child, she was a, a, a poet after. So right. even though the gigs aren't all about motherhood, there was that that draw to support someone in that, yeah. the, that situation, which was interesting. And again, I think a, a great thing, really. And, and so We don't shy away from it. I mean, the thing... Yeah. 
at first we were a little bit scared of, that people thought we'd change because we'd had a baby and we're yeah. just like nah but then he's like three and a half now and we go on <laughs> and now we're on like twitter or whatever at like six in the morning going like hello everyone you know like we're up on a travel lodge yeah. you know what the fuck's going on you know because we we didn't get back till say two in the morning yeah, the night before yeah, and then we're yeah. up with Arlo at six and asking ideas for soft play centers because that's amazing another thing. You to get, get the to recommendations tour. in the areas oh yeah. yeah we've been everywhere i mean our usual days we get up at between six and seven yeah <laughs> give him his breakfast and this is a thing like kids like warm milk yeah so i've got soup containers you know them squidgy ones like in a bag Li- yeah. the liquid they're like a like a, what do they call it with them zip bags? Yeah, or just like a, a Ziploc bag. Yeah, Ziploc yeah, bag yeah, for yeah. liquids. And yeah. I take them on tour and then I boil the Travel Lodge kettle, yeah. put the milk the in and then dip the water in, the in yeah, and stand there sense. for like two minutes till it's yeah. warm. You get all these, you know. It's good. It's good cheeks. hotel living tips, yeah. And then it, then he's got his warm milk. Make his porridge, which you can do with do with that warm milk method. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so then by about 10 o'clock <laughs> or half past 10, we are in a um, soft play centre in the wintertime awesome. or a um, playground now, now or I'm, the beach if I'm, it's summer. I'm going to get, it's going to be boring for, for the listeners, but as a touring person, I'm going to get specific on this. Do you do, do the soft play in the town you played in the night before or do you focus on getting to the new town so you're more you've not got that trip ahead of you good question i think if it's a short drive (laughs) yeah short drive we'll probably do the town we're in yeah if it's a long drive sometimes we like to get to get this so you can relax i I struggle hugely relaxing if i've got a drive ahead of me to the next gig because i i I, want to know i'm near the venue so we know that we can and sometimes it depends on the town so some might have a really good on the soft play recommendations or once we went to a model no no it wasn't a model it was a bloody steam railway center oh wow i mean the things we have to bloody do just to be in a band now there's a good model village in beaconsfield oh is it beaconsfield is it beacon beacons yeah, I think it's Beaconsfield. There's a good little model village. Right. I, I recommend that. For All right, it's kind of just outside London. So if, you're, right, okay. if you're gigging, kind of, if you're heading towards Oxford yeah. or Reading, then it's a good, it's a good spot. So we're all, it's, it's just a different <laughs> dynamic, but we're always grateful to be on tour. Yeah, yeah. Because as I was saying to you before, you know, we're from working class backgrounds. We've had a number of shit jobs, and for us, being in a band, doing it full time, making a living from it. It's like to us living the frigging dream. Yeah, yeah. And we don't wait to ever end. So we'll never yeah. we'll never moan about getting up early and being yeah. tired or whatever. Again, and 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 it's a it's a it's a beautiful thing cuz uh, again, uh, as we were discussing before and particularly oh oh where I'm from, I'm from as well, we're near London and there's a lot of pressure to get a job in London, earn good money. And there's a lot of pressure on on what you're earning rather than what you're doing or how happy you are doing it. And I had a mate that um, he's he's got a kid. Um, he's not with um, her mum anymore. And I remember talking to a friend of ours, and they were saying how how um, his ex was was pissed off b- b- because he got offered this other job, and it paid I think an extra. T- 200 or so pounds a month and he turned it down and I kind of chatted to him and I was like but 
he's really happy in the job that he's got. So is that £200 worth more than the general atmosphere that's going to be around from someone who's doing a job that they love? Yeah. Like if you're doing a job you hate, you may have an extra £200 a month, which again, in this day and age, doesn't go that fucking mm, far anyway. No, no, no. Um, yeah, is it? Uh, my opinion was it's better that the time he's spending uh, with his child is with a smile on his face and a slightly empty pocket oh, yeah. than with burnt out and tired and miserable, but he can buy extra sweets. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's, it's, totally. it's that balance. It's, it's, it's similar in, in this situation. Rather than quitting what you love and doing a full-time job locally, which you can earn more or whatever, you're, you're getting to bring your child up in such a happy and exciting yeah. environment and getting, and your child is getting to, and again, I'm sure I don't know of, of, of your, of your, of your upbringing, but most working class towns, a lot of your upbringing, you don't leave your fucking town. It's, no, it's all in that one place. That's all you yeah. know until you're 16, 17, yeah. 18. Even. Yeah, yeah. Um, so again, to bring a child up, experiencing That's the whole true. country and like the world that, is, yeah, is, yeah. is very different from what you will have had yeah. g- growing up. And in my opinion, in a good way. Yeah, I think it definitely, I never even thought about it, seeing all these things, but yeah. I know he loves going on tour because mm. he goes to a soft play centre every day or yeah. he goes to a playground and he's got Sally, which he absolutely loves. And so we'll go to a soft play in the afternoon or yeah. in the late morning, have some dinner, then drive to the venue. Then, yeah. She, Sally will, will play with him trains or whatever because he's big in big into trains in the dressing Excellent. room. Brilliant. Uh, and then we'll sound check and then we all go back, get something to eat at the hotel. We, Me and David bath him and put him to bed and then he just goes to sleep. Yeah. And then we say goodbye to Sally and he thinks we've done the gig. He thinks the sound check's the gig. Right, right, right. So that bit, that brief moment. Yeah, that's so, where he's learned all his counting gig. on tour. He, he does on the microphone, one, two, one, two. <laughs> Amazing. But like, we've not taught him three yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, oh, what's kind of the plan going forward? Have you got an age where you want him to see the gigs or to witness the gigs or to be there with those adorable ear protectors? Um, uh, so on and so forth. Or? He's seen some of our gigs, like uh, when we've played festivals. Yeah. And we're not, but the main thing, thing is the loudness, because we're really pretty loud. Yeah. So I don't think I'd want any child yeah. to expose no. him to that level. But Completely. maybe. And we swear quite a lot, which I don't know. <laughs> I wouldn't want my kid listening to me, <laughs> which is something that I try to cut back on at home. It's a really weird one, isn't it? Because I've. I, I struggled with when um, my friends had a child and I became their godparent, because I don't believe in censorship. I think we should teach children all the words. I think yeah. the, the demonisation of swear words is what gives it power. And I think some swear words are really fucking good words. They're yeah. really good to punctuate a sentence. They're really good in grammar. Um, and I heard but I heard a comedian talk about it, and he, 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 he figured it out. He kind of said... He believes that children should know swear words, but when they are old enough to know the context of them and the placement and positioning, do you know what I mean? Right, so, yeah, yeah. if you're a baby and all you know is the word "fuck," gets yeah. a reaction, you don't know the power of that word. So, it's probably too early at a young yeah. age to know them words because you'll say it at the wrong time or yeah, in, yeah. in an appropriate situation. So, yeah, it, it made me more at peace with reining in my language around my goddaughter because yeah, at, yeah, at first yeah. I was like. I know. I mean, I know it's your child and it's your choice how you raise them, but I don't believe in censorship, so I don't... But again, yeah. it's then I was like, right, no, I understand now. I've got that, that when they're old enough to make their own choices of 
how and when to use these yeah, words. Yeah, 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 I suppose. Then they can learn I more. think as well, I, I do like a bit <laughs> of separation between the band and, and him because yeah. I just like my old punk rock debauched, yeah. having a drink, yeah. having a party, life. And that is no, like, I don't want a child involved in that because it's no place for children. Completely. <laughs> I agree with that. I think it's bizarre. Um, I've got another podcast on the network called Say Why to Drugs and we talk about drugs and there's a stop and search one as well that's about the drug laws and we're weird in this country because um, I had someone I know the other day who works in a local kind of a council cafe and they were saying they've got a problem because someone's coming in and they reckon that person's stoned right, okay. and I was like alright so what's the problem and they were like well we don't want them around k- kids in that situation which I was like right, I get I was like, are they smoking there? They're like, no, but we can tell they're they're on something. And it struck me as interesting simply because I know for a fact that we were having this discussion just before Christmas. And I know that at Christmas they're going to drink with children everywhere yeah. and get pretty drunk yeah. around children, yeah. but, but but feel comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a weird, a weird contradiction. I'm fine with you not feeling someone stoned should be around kids as long as you also feel that someone drunk shouldn't be yeah, around kids yeah, and again yeah, yeah. i think that's a perfectly good and reasonable yeah. of idea I'm, I'm kind of on board with that i'm a fan of not doing any drugs around children yeah, but no, it's a weird too. double standard yeah, yeah. that we have of a lot of people will be perfectly fine with being dr- dr- drunk around their children but would feel bad yeah getting stoned or doing pills around their children and rightfully so they should feel bad doing <laughs> yeah, coke around their yeah, children they shouldn't shit. be doing that but it's a weird weird double yeah. so it's good that you kind of have that as a kind of well, well no this is a separate thing but it's also not- we're lightweight so when we go on tour because ultimately <laughs> yeah, yeah. like we are responsible for him and although yeah, sally looks after him and he's always asleep pretty much from night time till the morning yeah we will never have and as well we don't take drugs but we will never have any booze that will make us incapable of yeah. looking at so we'll have a few cans yeah, but nothing yeah. that would stop us from looking after yeah. him That's so uh, it's yeah i have my, and i'm never like i used to be sick almost every day yeah. when in my old life yeah. before he was born like in carrier bags in the front seat of vans on the way Brilliant. to the sound check amazing you know, just waiting for that half a strong bow just to level me out <laughs> level and now it's like i am never sick on tour i'm up every morning between six and seven and it's just like yeah i might be tired yeah but um it's interesting because, again, it's weird that it's a thing that people just see as not an option because the fact is any job you have changes when you have a child. Yeah. You know, you're always going to have to come home and do different things to what you did previously and so on and so forth. So why would it be a case that with music you have to stop that? Yeah, I think, it's, it's, a, like, no. I think it's a massive compromise. But having a child, you got, whatever, like you say, whatever profession you're in, you're going to have to compromise having a child. Yeah. And so we had to decide... You know, do we want to stop the band? Yeah. Or do we want to keep doing it? But if we do keep doing it, we will have to compromise. Yeah. So when we were recording our last album, it was bloody done in like two hours here, two hours there. Or my mum can have all over two hours, so we'll put the guitar down on this track then. Whereas normally we're used to like, oh, bloody hell, 10 hours a day in, yeah. you know, the local studio yeah. for two weeks or whatever, more. Yeah, but, Yeah, it's just little scripts. And, and sometimes you've so, it's so frustrating you know, not being able to, you know, do an album properly or it's so frustrating, like, say, when your mates are playing with you on a gig and they say, do you want to come and go to the pub for a few drinks? And you're like, Mm -hmm. I can't because I've got to get up at fucking six in the morning. But then at the same time, you think, well, 
if I wasn't doing it, I'd be working an office job back in Lancaster. And, and also, previously, you'd be spending your days in between gigs throwing up into carrier bag. <laughs> yeah. Whereas now you're spending them in yeah. soft plays. It's, yeah, it's like, and the thing that's is, an improvement. I do, that's I that's do a still, step up, yeah. I guarantee you. I, I do still feel shit in the mornings, <laughs> but it's a different type of shit. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? And I, I sometimes I sit in a ball pool and I, and I think, oh God, you know, when we used to get them two o'clock travel lodge checkouts, you know, you pay £10 more and you get yeah. till two o'clock. We used to yeah, take yeah, full yeah, advantage yeah, of yeah. them. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and I just think, oh God, when 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 will they ever come back? But yeah. you know, at the same time, yeah, I'm not puking in a carrier, so that's the cool. thing is, people um, have this weird be- belief that the word change is a negative thing. Oh, you've changed, or she's changed, or he's changed. It's that's like, true. It's a it's a good thing. I I think change is an essential thing, and the fact is, when you were deciding to have a child and keep doing music, you were probably aware that things were going to have to change. Yeah, And that's definitely. the fear that people have. Stuff's going to have to change. And it's because we have that n- n- negative connotation on change that that's a scary thing. But the fact is, stuff has to change all the time in in touring life. If you get to a certain a level, if you drop below a certain level that's again, true. all these things, if you move out of your parents' house, there's constant changes. So it shouldn't be that default of, it's negative changes in this situation. Yeah. It's, it's, it's well, not, it's change. Have, there will be change. Sometimes you can't have your cake and eat it. Like, yeah. do you want a baby or do you want to be in a band? And if you want a little bit of both, you can't do the full on band and be bloody staying up all night and drinking and drug taking and bloody yeah. partying but and I then, would, and then mean, be responsible for that baby. You just can't do it. But then... I'm incredibly boring, but I would contest <laughs> that you can't do that anyway in the long term. If, if, no, if, you if you're going to tour... Continually, there's a point where you have to change. Yeah. So again, it's it's another it's another situation that you may have been at that point where you're deciding if you want a child. It could have been if, even if you decided no that you were getting to that point where it was going to change a bit anyway, and it wasn't going. Do you know what I mean? Mm. That you were going to have to rein things in, or yeah. you were going to have to yeah, do yeah. this or do that. So I suppose it's just the cliche, isn't it? Yeah. Of, of the rock and roll band yeah, is completely. is all that, and 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 having a baby is totally anti. That. Yeah. But I think that's punk rock's all about challenging what people say you should do. Completely. I agree. I always remember being um at our local alternative club, um, Hollywood's in Romford, and it's it was the metal night and punk night and all that. And me and my mate Mutt were in there, Mutt three thousand. Yep. We've all got stupid names. Um <laughs> and we were he was saying how sad it is that our mate Stu um can't come out Teddy's nights because he's got two kids. And we were stood there, already drunk, too nervous to, to talk to any girls, are wasting our money, then going home a bit bored and lonely. <laughs> Whereas he was at home having a wonderful time with his kids. Yet because our default at that point, that that's what we're meant to be doing. It was like, it's so sad that he can't be enjoying this. It's like, yeah, yeah, we're yeah. not really doing anything that exciting. <laughs> you, know, there's, you know, there's... there's, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, yeah. there's there's ups and downs in both situations. Yeah. So I just don't know why more women don't do it. Uh, that's what, you know, that's really wanted to sort of yeah. give a bit more publicity to yeah. the fact that, you know, it can be bloody it can well be done. done. And, and if you want to know how to do it, well, I wouldn't say ask me because I'm not the thing, but at least I could give you some tips, you, you know. Give I was some like, because sometimes you do freak out and you're like, what the fuck? What will it do then? Where will I put it then? Will this be all right? Yeah. And yeah, I suppose I just want to. Tell other women that it's possible. It's possible and you can and do it. And on a low level, in a Fiat frigging Scudo. Yeah. 
playing not, to not like in a big tour van and 200 300 people yeah low level stuff but you know good. so before i wrap things up and ask where people can find out about uh tours and records and everything else yep. let's also end on the high note of your fans have embraced it as well and they are known to bring gifts for Arlo at times and, yeah. and stuff like that so that's that's another positive oh that- they're lovely yeah they're always asking <laughs> after him and like it was awful because when we played we played this gig in uh, London before Christmas like, yeah. at the Lexington it sold out it was a great gig and it was one of those nights where we had friends that were playing with us and they'd said oh come to the pub you know and I'd say yeah. can't because Arlo's not been so well because he had a cough and a cold right. all that day Um and then I got back to the travel lodge and I wasn't really happy with his breathing. I just thought, oh, it's bad. Right. So I, I rung 111 and it, they ended up sending an ambulance. Oh, wow. And he was in UCL for two days oh, and we man. had to cancel the the gig. I think wow. it was in Southampton at the joiners. Yeah. And, you know, as soon as, you know, people are pissed off, you know, when you cancel a gig. But yeah. as soon as he knew, it was because our little boy was ill. Yeah. You know, we had so many bloody messages oh, wow. and stuff. and yeah. It was it was really really lovely in our again, and it's 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 beautiful to obviously that's a a stressful and horrible situation Mm. to go to, but in many ways it's a strengthening one because it happened, it was dealt with. It Mm. do you know what I mean? To go through those things make you know, oh well, this this would have been horrible and stressful if we were at home. This would have been horrible and stressful everywhere. But the fact is, it didn't change just because we were on the road. If anything, you had more support because you had top it off as well, right? So. Southampton cancelled. Yeah, we think shit. So we think, oh bloody hell! Bright uh, Bristol promoter is going to see that and start shitting stop himself. Panicking, yeah. Right, I'm going to ring up. And, wh- and where were you playing in Bristol the, the night after Southampton? Yep. And whereabouts? So, what venue was it? Uh, the Exchange. Yep. Pat Paul. So um, I know it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, he's a, good a nice bit. guy. So I rung him up saying, "This is the score," you know, and he's like, "So nice as he is," and saying, "Oh, just don't worry if you have to cancel, you have to cancel." So anyway, yeah. Two days go by. Arlo gets out of hospital. At like six o'clock. Yeah. As Ring Fat Paul say, we can't do a sound check. There's just no way we're not going to get there in time. But we are coming and we are going to go to the hotel, put Arlo to bed, make sure he's asleep. And then we're going to come, just go on our stage and do the gig. Yeah. Amazing. And our freaking van broke down on the way there. Oh, man. It's just not working <laughs> for you, is it? Damn. No. So it was terrible. Like, I think we got into Bristol at two in the morning, oh, pulled wow. by a tow truck. Man. So there were two gigs cancelled yeah but you know our fans took it really fucking good and we have this philosophy in lovely like fuck it because it's yeah. just it's a bit of a, a spiritual thing really yeah but also uh i think it's just a good philosophy to yeah. life really to help yeah. you fucking cope with stress you've, you, you don't have control over and can't influence yeah, yeah completely don't just bother yeah, wasting don't give it your time space. Yeah, yeah thinking about it i agree completely so you know, the other band that were playing with us, friends of ours, did a rendition of that song, Fuck It, on stage, and Brilliant. all the crowd were shouting, Fuck It. Brilliant. So, and they sent that to us, and we were just like, my God, you know, we've got the best fans, you know, because yeah. they, it's shit, you've waited all that time, you've spent money on beer, do you know yeah. what I mean? You're yeah. waiting for this band to come that you like, and we bloody cancelled right at the last minute. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But they've got that, that positivity. Yeah, and, and, and it's and amazing. Support. And it's beautiful. Yeah, and it's lovely, really. So. Yeah. Well, that's wonderful. I'll wrap things up there. So, so where can people f- f- keep up to date with, with everything, L- Lovely Eggs and, and, and you guys? Well, we've got a website, thelovelyeggs.co.uk. Yeah. Very original. Yeah, classic. 
That's exactly what it says. So that's got all our, you know, stuff on there. And yeah, we're on Facebook and Twitter and, you know, all the usual. All the usual we're, places. We're recording a new album at the moment, so. And is there is there, there are plans for tours after that? Do you have any kind of extra motivation to do a slightly bigger tour than last time because you're seeing how much you can... <laughs> Yeah, do well, I think we with could if you. we were like in because we normally play the UK, you see, and, yeah. and we book we self book all our own stuff. Yeah. So in that respect, no, because I thought that you can tour more than two weeks in the UK. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, you're like where are you playing? Like, yeah. but if we we'll were, be back here again in two weeks, yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> if we look Europe, then definitely America or something. Yeah. yeah. But this is the first album we're doing where we're working with someone else. We've got Dave Fridman oh, right. to produce our new album. Yeah. Wow. So. We're excited about that because yeah. we've never worked with anyone. It's always just been us two. Yeah. And we wanted to work with someone else and we're massive bloody fans of him. Yeah. So uh, we're fantastic. excited about that. Yeah. But then Arlo goes to school in September. How's so, that going to work? Well, we've decided we're just going to tour at half term. Perfect. So October, February, April. Yeah. It's enough. Yeah. Well, it's it enough. It really for, is. And, and, and weirdly... And if we hit the big time, we'll just take him out. I was, was going to say... <laughs> Oh, oh, weirdly, it's something that people can know and lock onto. In a, like, if you know, every year there's going to be a tour in February, April, October. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's, it's you can lock into that and know that that's going to we come. Tour and know then, that's anyway, going to be we tour then anyway. We usually tour in springtime because it's getting quite warm and it's before yeah, festival, before festival season. season. Yeah, and we tour in autumn because it's not and too festival cold. Festival season is the summer holidays, so you've kind yeah. of you've got that nailed. And then, we, and then. Uh, we're touring like usually it's October or something because it's not getting too cold yep. and it's not Christmas yet. And Christmas it's hard to get so anything So we do it anyway. On. Yeah. That's so it's, perfect. It's, just made. it's weird that the school Tours system is booked around touring. <laughs> yeah. That's strange. Well, thank you very much. It's You're been very lovely welcome. chatting. Thanks and, for coming uh, yeah. up north. Excellent. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks. There we go. That was Holly Ross. Um, what a, a, a wonderful lady. I did a round trip to, to Lancaster to record this. So, so I was driving in the end for over 12 hours to get this podcast to you. So I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed the conversation. I need to mention before you all click off, because I know at the end of podcasts, you'll often kind of just switch off and go on to the next one. My club night, We Are Lizards, returns to the book club on March 25th, and we have got the legendary Eddie Temple Morris, a great Distraction Pieces podcast guest, so go and check that episode out in the past if you haven't, and Cutmaster Swift, a legend on, on, on the scratch scene, and our residents, and myself. It's at the book club, March 25th. It's free before nine o'clock. Come get involved. Uh, that's the end of the podcast. I kind of I drifted off then mentally. Um, that's the end of the podcast. I will see you all next week when we've got two podcasts for you. We've got over two hours, in fact, because the Dan Hardy one is an hour and 45. And the Rory McDonald one, I only had a, sh- a short amount of time with Rory, but it's, it's, it's a nice little 30-minute slot and it's a good chat. So check that out. Ta-ta.